0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG Podcast. Just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Sean. Another episode back in the saddle again. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am confused and out of my mind. I really <laughs> so the reason why I'm telling everyone this is because Sean here just sent me a uh a podcast earlier this week. And I I don't know who it's from. I think it's it's from the channel What Bitcoin Did. And it was a podcast about hyperinflation with Preston Pish. And for those of you who are in the investing room, you'll probably heard Preston Pish's name. Multiple times because they uh, he was one of the original founders of the Investors Podcast. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, is that right, Sean? Yeah, yeah. And so he went from a value investing perspective, and now he's really heavy into that Bitcoin realm. And uh, I saw this this YouTube that that you sent me, and I just got super super confuzzled by it. I, I mean, all the graphs, all the charts, uh, you know, the lines going up and down. I have no clue what that means or at least if i was starting i wouldn't have that much clue on what all these lines are meaning and so i figured that today we're gonna not really focus on their (laughs) youtube uh podcast episode which i highly encourage i'll put the link down below it's a great podcast uh i I really enjoyed listening to preston and and the host I, i don't know the host's name but i really enjoyed him um but um i feel like let, why don't we try to simplify everything now? Because we're, we're getting into that time where the economy is going up and down, where, t- where there's a lot of talks about quantitative tightening or is it quantitative easing? See, I, I, I don't even know the difference between the terms right now. And I'm thinking, let's just simplify this because it's confusing as hell. Mm-hmm. And so, Sean. My first question, <laughs> just like with the game of Go, there, there are base rules. There's easy set of rules, right? Mm-hmm. And being able to define those rules and then go from there, I think that's where we should start in the investing realm itself. Like, let, let's just set some ground-based understanding. And then once we have that firm basis point, basage, then we can try to apply it to the different circumstances that we can find ourselves in and just like the game of go to apply it that's the trick right you got to learn the rules first and then we go into the application so my first question just to understand anything and everything and i know we talked about this in the bitcoin episode uh way back when is what is a business what is an economy what is what is this in general like why are we so fixated on on the economy, the business realm, what is it? What what is that base, simple, idea that we can we can take hold of?
1: Hmm. What do um, you think?
0: I would say,
1: um, the economy. You could say the economy is how people deal with scarcity. Um. And okay. How people coordinate their actions to address scarcity, to get things that they need and the things that they want. Okay. A business is um, when people put in efforts to address other people's needs and wants mm. and they gain a profit. And mm-hmm. usually that means so because we, they, They earn money essentially Mm -hmm. um so yeah if you you know some people want sandwiches i start a business where i make them sandwiches Mm. they give me money i can turn around and use the money for other things
0: Hmm. okay so but again a business hoping hoping that it will be profitable yeah right right because there's a lot of businesses out there where in in the first like 10 years they're not making any income they're just constantly negative like Tesla, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it's 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 uh, marketing and hype and all of that that helps them out. Okay, uh, okay, so I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm still I'm still kind of. I think we can simplify it even further. I I feel like we can, and so let, let's let's do this. What about an interaction between you and me? How if we were to make a metaphor or, or visual, Sean, you are, you are a person. I, uh, I am a person and say that our economy is just the two of us. How do we, how, how do we interact with each other? Like, what is it that we, we would do uh, in an economy if, if there's just two of us? And, and the reason why I'm doing this is because every time I teach or every time I try to explain this to other people, Uh, even my students in general. Uh, And no, I'm not a, I'm not a business teacher whatsoever. It's just, you know, sometimes students ask me, Hey, do you understand what this means? Um, And so I like to pretty much visualize any type of business as another individual. And so, and hence why I'm, I'm doing a very simple, simple uh, visualization here. So Sean, how, how would our interaction be if we are just you and me is the economy
1: um let's see well we need we have needs and wants right so okay let's say um you are let's say we're on a desert island or something and you are very skilled at getting food okay you are able to spear some fish Mm -hmm. and maybe do a few other things where you you can do it and i have a really hard time i try to spear the fish and i can't okay but i'm really good at um creating shelter okay uh and maybe at you know cooking the fish okay then uh we can divide our efforts and you can spear the fish and trade me some and mm-hmm. i could uh build you shelter and and cook for you
0: mm-hmm. and so i have something of value to you right which is a food source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very skillful in that. I am very productive when I do it. I'm very efficient uh, with this skill set. And you have a, a value that I want. You have a service that I want, which is I have no clue how to cook this fish. I know how to catch the fish, but I have no idea how to clean a fish, gut a fish. I don't know what what's the first thing. I don't even know how to make a fire in this in this scenario. And you do. You know how to do all that, plus make shelter. And so we come to a a mutual agreement where I not only give you my fish, but I'm going to give you my fish in hopes that you give me back a cooked product. Is that correct to say? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And so in our example, we are pretty much exchanging services to each other right Mm -hmm. so there's no no concept of money just yet so where does money come in
1: um money comes in when um usually when there's more than two people okay and um there's a certain type of good that we could always trade for like if uh if you know i have uh some you let's say you have some fish Uh and I don't have anything that you want Uh then we can't do a trade Mm. however if a lot of people desire a particular thing like uh like seashells okay um and you can pretty much if you want to trade seashells for something else you could pretty much always find someone to trade you for anything you want for seashells
0: Okay. then
1: because that good is so desirable and it has some other qualities Mm -hmm. that you know make it good for this purpose it becomes the in-between trade Mm. right where you uh have some fish you want to sell if i have some seashells i could Mm -hmm. trade you the seashells you could turn around and take those and get whatever you want because so many
0: people desire those so, wouldn't and this kind of reminds me of a film that I watched with Justin Timberlake. Uh, this was a while back, where they kind of use that concept of money in, in a very interesting way, which is time, like the currency of the whole uh, movie was time itself. So, would money in our example be an exchange in goods in time? Um. Would that be safe to say? Because if I caught the fish, right? And I sold it to you, but you have nothing that I want as a service in return, and you give me seashells, then you're essentially purchasing my time and effort for the fish in a in a tradable collateral, right? In, mm-hmm. in a tradable thing where another person with the services and goods that I want, you know, I, I can be like, hey, well, I, I did this earlier for our community. This is the collateral here. And here's some seashells. So let me give you some seashells now. And I I want, say, you know, a uh a furniture from from this other person because they made furniture. So would that be a correct transaction? Yeah. In in a sense, right? Yeah. Okay. So In its base level, when we don't have money involved, we're exchanging services, goods and services to each other. Mm -hmm. And when we add the concept of money, we're trading goods and services, hopefully, to each other. But if there is no service or good that the other party wants, then we can trade a collateral called money or currency to the other person so that they in turn, can trade that with another goods and service that accepts that same collateral. Am I confusing anyone now? <laughs> so, um, I don't know about
1: the word collateral. Okay. How we about, can set that aside for now. Let's,
0: let's but, do currency then. Let's just say currency, yeah, currency or item, I, I, item of yeah. value. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh. So I, I'm slowly getting the idea of what currency money and just Goods and services are. So now let's fast forward. Let's step away from our analogy here and start going into the economy itself. And the economy is essentially goods and services being traded, right? So a company mm-hmm. might develop uh, railroad tracks, but in order to develop railroad tracks, it needs to purchase an- uh, from another company that provides steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. the steel company is going to sell it to the railroad company. And the railroad company is going to manufacture it to railroad tracks, and then sell it to the city if the city wants to embed it a, a railroad railway system inside their, uh, you know, property line, mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? So that's the exchange of goods and services. All right. Now here's the thing with investments in general. When it comes down to actually trying to analyze things and, and, and really see this, what's really confusing is that once we start stepping away from that actual transaction pattern and start going into more analytical stuff, like what Preston Pish did in, in, in this um, uh, YouTube episode, it then it gets really wonky and confusing because now they're bringing in like you know uh, rates. Uh, interest rates, they're bringing in inflation rates, they're bringing in the asset uh, on books to over the span of 10 years or something. So what does all of that have to do with just business in general? Is this really required to be looking at or can we just keep it as simple as we can, which is, let's look at a company, look at the transaction and go from there. Like Because it's it's like super confusing for a lot. Yeah, I would
1: say people will make something more complex if they can get some benefit from that. Hmm. So, um, so, you know, you can borrow and lend money Mm -hmm. um, and you can charge an interest rate so that you, if you lend someone money, then they are having to pay you extra when they pay you back. Right, because you need to be uh, incentivized to actually loan them the money.
0: Oh wait, just wait, as so, an example. Okay, so so lending of money. Okay, let's stick with this topic because this is a confusing uh-huh. topic too. So, all right, I have I have an income, right? I have a revenue income every year, right? Uh, and so for me to purchase any goods, I had to stay within my income. Like goods and services, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I want to go past that, pass my say say that I make twenty thousand dollars a year. If I want to go past twenty thousand dollars a year, why would anyone let me borrow money? What? Okay, so Sean, if I was if I wanted to go past my income range, what would I have to do? If I ask you, hey Sean, I need an extra five thousand dollars. Can you lend me some, some money? What is what is what is what are things that you would be looking for? Because this this kind of goes into the idea of the credit system that we have here in the United States. So, and I like to keep these things as visual and as perceivable as I can. So if you were a creditor or if you were a, a company that has some money and I came up to your door and I asked you, Hey, Sean, can you lend me $5,000? Would you lend it to me? Why or why not?
1: Um, so one of the things I will think of is I'll try to figure out how likely you are to pay me back. Okay. You know, and then I might say, okay, you want to borrow 5,000. So next year, I want you to give me $5,300.
0: Okay. So three five $5,300. That's what? 6%? No. That's, I don't know what percentage. What, whatever percentage that is. I'm not um, good. We don't. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I okay. Wasn't okay. So I have to give you go for an extra, extra but, interest. Yes.
1: Yeah. The idea is I'm going to get more money. This is yes. what's going to motivate me to give it to you. I mean, if you're a friend and you're in need, maybe I'll just uh, loan you the money. But okay. if you, uh, if I, I may need some motivation to loan mm-hmm. you the money, maybe I don't want to give you $5,000. Okay. But if I give you the money now and you're going to give me more mm-hmm. when you give it back, well, that's different. Now I'm more
0: motivated, right? Well, it'll be easier, right? It's not complete because you you said something earlier where I need to trust you that you would pay me back or something like that, right? Or yes. I make yeah, right? Okay. Yeah,
1: I need to trust you and um and maybe the less I trust you, the more onerous I'm going to make it. Maybe mm-hmm. if I don't trust you instead of 5300, maybe I'll bump it all the way up to 6000, you
0: know. Oh dang. Okay. So and, and that's just based on your opinion of me, in essence, yeah, right? Yeah, it's,
1: it's based on my opinion of you, and it's also me making a deal. Okay. Like, how much do I want to loan this person money? You know, okay. if it's like, if this person, I'm a little worried they're not going to pay it back, mm-hmm. well, if you offer me 6000 maybe I'll be convinced, right? Okay. But if you're only going to pay me back 5300 never mind. Okay. You're too. You're not uh, likely enough to pay it back, you know.
0: And so this kind of explains the idea of our credit system, where it's on a, like mm-hmm. an 850 point system, right? Yeah. And so the credit system, at least the way that I understand it in the United States, is that the more that you're able to pay off your debt at the end of the month, at the end of the year, without having any carryover, the easier it is. Uh, Well, one, you're going to have a better score on the whatever scale that they have. And when other creditors or other companies are looking at your credit score, that's their quantifiable way of saying, hey, you know, you seem like a trustworthy person. Based on your reputation with all these other companies, I'm going to lend you some money and I will be willing to let you borrow some of my money in Uh, in hopes that you actually return my money by the deadline, or if you're going to go a little bit over that, or you're going to have some carryover over that, then I'm going to charge you an interest on whatever's left remaining.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Right. And if you have a bad score, then forget it. You're not trustworthy. I'm not going to give you any money, or I'm not going to let you borrow any money from me Mm -hmm. because your record shows that you can never pay it back yep that's harsh
1: (laughs) that's harsh (laughs) it is well yeah it's it's a the way our credit system works is sort of cold and impersonal right yeah if you're if you have someone who you've been friends with for years yeah and you want to borrow a certain amount of money they might just loan you the money with Mm -hmm. no interest you know yeah and they uh i mean i've read and i i agree with the wisdom that if you loan someone who's a close friend or someone in your family, if you loan them money, you should imagine what if I never get paid back? Yeah. And you need to think, would I be even willing to gift this person the money? Yeah. And if they do end up paying me back, you know, that's cool, but don't.
0: Then you'll be able to pay, lend the money again in the future if they need it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah. So
1: you have to think about like, if you know someone, you could think like that. If you don't know someone, then you would want to try and estimate and and maybe Mm -hmm. gather information. That's why the credit companies in America are actually some of the biggest gatherers of information on people. You know, Mm -hmm. they collect uh, tons of information about us because they're estimating our ability to pay.
0: Yeah. And that's why sometimes, you know, there's a cap to how much you can borrow. Yep. You know, if, if you go to a bank and try to take out a mortgage, sometimes they're only going to lend you maximum 300000 But if your credit score is good and your income can support your borrowing, then they might extend that 300000 up to 800000 for instance. So it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy how much concept goes into, into this idea. And it still is based on the idea of the transaction where I have goods and services that I want to purchase and buy. And, you know, yes, I don't have the money for it now or the time for it now, but I will be able to pay you back eventually. And I think that's the idea of the credit system is that eventually I will be able to pay you back. It's just right now the season for fish is not here. uh, But, you know, that come summertime, I'll be able to catch more fish for you and Mm -hmm. I'll be able to give it to you uh, at that time. Right. Yeah. So. And so the idea of borrowing money, which is what our whole economy is being run on right now, is, is credit borrowing. I mean, I know a lot of my friends and, and, and my family who are constantly spending on their credit, and they pay a good chunk of it back, but there's always that little bit that's left over that they couldn't couldn't make in time or couldn't pay back in time. And that carries over to the next month. and that's when you know the APR interest rate, uh, is added onto that, not annual percentage rate, but the uh, monthly, You know, they add on compounded to the total A- APR, I think. But th- that's how they get you, is that that interest builds up over time for the leftover something you did not pay back by the end of the month, right? And so going from there, I don't know. Do you think that with credit, with borrowing credit, Because in that fishing example, I have to, when summer comes, I have to work harder to pay back my debt to you. If I'm borrowing money from you, borrowing seashells from you, and I'm the fishing guy, Mm -hmm. then summertime, I I need to fish more fish. I need to catch more fish to pay back to you. So that means that come summertime, I have to be more productive than I am currently.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah. So with borrowing of credit and the way that i see it is that the more that we use credit to as a tool the more productive we have to be in the future to pay it back mm-hmm. so is that a good thing though because i find that, that that might be a very good thing for an economy that if we if everyone in the economy starts borrowing a lot of you know money well they're going to eventually pay it back and say that they're extremely trustworthy people that will pay it back That will boost productivity, right? And if productivity is boosted in an economy, that means that the overall economy is doing very well.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's caveats. Uh, Maybe some people shouldn't be borrowing because maybe they they won't be able to pay it back. But yeah, I mean, if you think about what might motivate someone to borrow, Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple additional factors like one factor is if you're fishing and you can think of a way where you know you will be more productive but you need an investment mm-hmm. like let's say you are fishing without a net and you know that you could get more fish with the net mm-hmm. then you could borrow the money to buy the net mm-hmm. to get more fish and then pay back the loan okay right. um
0: so so me borrowing money and and putting myself in debt Right. Because I'm mm. borrowing money and I'm putting, I'm already putting myself in debt. And a lot of times we don't like to be in debt. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially we're, we're very bad at finances. So in this example, why am I putting myself in debt? Because that's bad, isn't it? Um,
1: not always. No. Like if you, <laughs> uh, if you're making it hard here, man, <laughs> well, cause the think about the thing with the net, right? Okay. Uh, if you are putting yourself in debt to buy a net Uh uh-huh i don't think that's bad you know because imagine if you had no other way to afford the net Mm. you know or you have to spend time making it right which is time Mm. you're not fishing so for whatever reason you need the money to get the net Mm -hmm. um i think that's a good thing
0: because it speeds up my chances of catching more
1: yeah and it allows so think about what's happened. If there's someone else over there who has more money uh-huh. and they're just sitting on it. Right. And they could spend it on things to make themselves feel better, mm-hmm. but they could also lend it to you. Mm-hmm. And now you're more productive. They get their money back later. Um, Plus interest. Yeah. And yeah. they live in a more productive world now. Mm-hmm. Right now. they now they could have more fish, mm-hmm. you know? So, Lending isn't always bad. Um, lending, lending and borrowing isn't always bad. Now, if you can't pay it back, that's different. You know, some people have maybe a gambling mentality, or they don't. Um, I mean, there's a variety of issues that could come up with with mm-hmm. borrowing. And so, yeah, it can be bad, right? When you earlier, when you were saying, "Isn't borrowing bad?" Mm-hmm. It is uh, something you should not take lightly. You know, people need to put a lot of thought into it before they borrow money because they don't know the future mm-hmm. and they could end up having a hard time.
0: Mm. I'm still absorbing everything. I, I, <laughs> I'm. Th- this is a lot of info to, to, to absorb in and one sitting. So mm. let's see here. So not all borrowing is bad right. and it, it depends on what you do use that money for. And if it's worth, Borrowing money to be able to speed up something that is productive, then you would say it's, it, it's a safe route, mm-hmm. more safe route, right? Rather yeah. than I borrow money. And the reason why I want to borrow money is to uh, purchase, you know, a new, I don't know, handbag, right? Mm-hmm. I want to borrow $800 mm-hmm. from you because I want to buy this new handbag that looks really, really awesome or a new uh, gaming system because it looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. and It has RGB lights everywhere. <laughs> uh, and I'm only using it to play with, you know, I'm not using it for anything productive. It's just for my leisure. Then that would be somewhat of a bad type of debt that you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a good debt and bad debt. That's what, that's what I'm getting at. Yep. So... Now we kind of understand what the economy is going through. I I think with our simplified example is that we're borrowing a lot and some companies might not be able to pay back because they're borrowing past their productivity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with the economy going into a huge turmoil now, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't put my finger on what the heck is going to happen because you know, uh, the federal reserve just made an announcement or is going to be making an announcement later today, this week, uh, about their plans for the inflation idea. Uh, there's a lot of talks about that right now. And so what do you think is going to happen? Uh, just in general, because what business is going sideways right now, and some are going up, most are going down. What, 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 if we were a company right now, what, what can a company or what can a person do to, to really fight against this, this fluctuation? Is there a way to fight it or do we just have to start paying back our debt and, and really just go from there?
1: Um, yeah, there's a few pieces. Um, paying back your debt can be a good idea um mm-hmm. if you can essentially even go one step deeper than that i guess which mm-hmm. would be to um make sure that you're just not spending a lot try to live within your means and live frugally as much as you can mm-hmm. during these sort of downturns that can always give you some uh extra um extra buffer you know mm-hmm. where You know, if you would happen to lose your job or something, you are burning less money per day. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, now another aspect of it is um, let's talk about inflation in our very basic discussion that we've been having about, um, you know, what money is, borrowing and lending and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine our very simple economy with seashells. Okay. then imagine that a f- small group of people found a ton of the seashells. Okay, and they start going around buying things. Okay, like there's so a bunch of new seashells found mm-hmm. before. Let's say there were only a hundred seashells mm-hmm. in the whole economy,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: now these guys, you know, were digging somewhere on the beach and they found a hundred more. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, the first thing they could do is they could go buy stuff and it would be kind of like normal, right? You are selling some fish. They would come to you and ask how much for fish. Let's say uh, three seashells per fish. Okay. And, you know, that they would would be stoked.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, as they begin buying stuff, those seashells begin circulating. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, these are the things that everybody is trading around. Mm-hmm. So the entire, the number of seashells that is actually moving through the economy, it was a hundred. Now it's starting to go up. Right. When they bought that first fish, mm-hmm. now there's 103 seashells moving around. Right. Okay. And you having sold the fish, you're going to take those three seashells buy something else. Mm. And um, if you think about it, The real price of the fish that you're wanting to sell it for—it's not just a certain amount of seashells. You kind of want a particular cut of all the seashells, Mm. right? So if there's a hundred seashells, then you were hoping to get three percent of all the seashells per fish.
0: But that's uh, that's under the assumption that you know what the total number of seashells there are Uh, in the economy, right? No, you don't. Oh. I mean, from well, I mean, if, you, if you're view. calculating three percent, uh, that means you have to have a understanding of how much total money there is or total seashells there are it, in is, that circulation. Yeah. Or you um, have to have the uh, idea of this is how much there is right now. So it's
1: it's from the God's eye view of me telling the story.
0: Uh huh. Uh, we
1: calculate the 3%, but
0: oh, okay. you and okay. the
1: story selling the fish, you're not calculating the 3%, mm-hmm. but you are basing your price. price, you're basing it off the scarcity of the seashells. Okay. Right. Okay. If there was an infinite seashell machine, mm-hmm. like a Star Trek machine that just made infinite seashells, <laughs> you yes. wouldn't even take seashells for your fish. No, because I would not. Because they're, they're worthless. Yeah. Right? So um, that the scarcity of the seashells matters. It's more amorphous. You can't perfectly calculate that you want exactly 3% of all the seashells, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like that where you have a sense of the scarcity of the seashells. Okay. And so my point is these guys who found an extra hundred seashells, they start spending this into the economy. And now the total number of seashells is growing. Okay. It's becoming less scarce and so eventually you're going to get a sense of the new level of scarcity of the seashells. And you're going to start asking for four or five or six seashells per fish.
0: Hmm. Well, I actually have a different scenario in my mind. Uh, and and please, uh, I'm, I'm going to build on top of your, your current scenario. So say that you, there's a new group of people that found 100 seashells or even 1,000 seashells. But let's keep it hundred for for simplicity's sake, right? Mm -hmm. If I was a seashell owner, or if I was I was a fishing shop owner, I I don't know if I would understand currency enough to understand that this currency is scarce, and that's why I traded it. All all I would, and I'm taking from a viewpoint of a person who's selling in in this hypothetical scenario so for me what I would see is that okay well I have a produce right here and all of a sudden these strangers come into to town and they have money somehow they have money awesome and I'm trading it but in a scenario this is I, I could actually see this happening somewhat is that the per, the person the stranger coming in with this extra seashell I don't know their extra seashell I just know they have it. They're just purchasing a lot of things. And mm-hmm. in my small community, if there's only a community of eight people here and they're purchasing everything, known, all the produce, all the uh, assets, uh, not pro- assets, I don't want to use that word just yet, but all, all the you know stuff that we have, well, there's nothing left for the rest of the community. And so I'm looking at the seashells to be like, hey, what's going on here? Why, why are they buying up everything and we have nothing left? What's going on? I mean, that, that's in my mind. And so is, is that building on with your example of the scarcity idea? Because this, this is, yeah. for me, it's a more realistic type of situation where they're, they're just buying everything because they, they found it. And they can spend it like crazy. And, so, and they're strangers in the economy, so they don't care because they're, they're part from another group that trades you know, a shiny pebbles. Who knows, right? yeah so yeah i mean you you could
1: even build on top of that and just say if you start to get a sense that they have more seashells then you can get more of them right if you're a shrewd businessman here come these people with tons of seashells and they're like hey i give me a fish for three of these then you're like "Mm, how about five you know i know you would pay me five Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna bump it up to five you know and over time those seashells as they move around the economy uh-huh. that just applies to everyone now now there's a guy over here who cooks the fish uh-huh. now he's making more money for the same reason now he uh-huh. has more money when he buys the fish from you uh-huh. so you're going to
0: start charging him five right but that that's only after I start seeing that hey there's a lot of money coming in now and so I'm going to charge more to, um, to it's get after, more right? yeah as
1: as not everyone has to see that not yet um, right I mean, there are people, there are people in the economy who'd never really have to see it at all. Oh, all okay. they have to see is some, you know, people are coming to me. I. I all they have to see is I can get more. Okay. Right. Because okay. that's the other thing is people are always trying to barter and maybe trying to trade it for more. You know? Okay. And so as this new money starts flowing in, it starts to work more. You you, things start to tip in your favor as far as getting a higher number of seashells for your wares. And that applies to the guy who cooks the fish. Mm -hmm. So maybe he figures it out first, but eventually that's going to trickle over to you as the guy who catches it,
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Because you're doing business with him. So everyone's doing a business in the network, kind Mm -hmm. of, and it's and the it spreads through the network, Mm -hmm. right? As people get a different sense of how much money they can get per item that they Mm -hmm. sell.
0: So now everyone's going to charge more for their services and goods. Yep. And that's the idea of inflation. That's exactly what's happening right now is that, hey, we have a lot more money floating around and I'm going to charge more because I can get more. But then if everyone else charges more to get more, then my money is essentially the same valuation as it was prior when we had less money floating around.
1: Yes. Now, there's another side to the inflation coin. Okay. Let's make sure we've got that
0: first. Though, okay. Right? And, <laughs> okay. <and> we, um, <laughs> I'm seeing this side. So, so all right. Let's, let's, let's go on with this hypothetical scenario. Okay. All right. So, um, the,
1: for inflation, there's a, a saying that's good to have in mind. Mm. They say inflation is too much money chasing too few
0: goods. Okay.
1: So, we talked about the too much money. We could also talk about having too few goods. Okay. Now let's say in our hypothetical scenario, uh, we have an economy. There's 200 seashells. Right. The first thing already happened, and it's over. Okay. Now fish costs six seashells, and you know things have things have sort of normalized, and and things have been the same now for a long time, for years. Fish have cost six seashells, and everything's been relatively stable. And then. There's some kind of disaster. Maybe uh, a small volcano goes off and part of the island is now covered in hot lava. So um, there's an area where people used to, there's like a forest where people used to cut down trees from. Now a lot of those trees are destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an area where people used to fish a lot. And now that side of the island, you can't fish over there because there's all this lava pouring everywhere. Mm -hmm. So now you have less wood, less fish, and there's just in general, less stuff
0: to sell. And there's
1: nothing you can do about it. What's going to happen. You're going to have to charge more prices, right? If you're the guy who fishes, you used to be able to get 20 fish per day. Mm -hmm. Now you can only get 10 per day. If you can't get enough money to sustain your operation, you got to just stop. Mm. And the economy probably won't let you stop because they want to eat. So, mm-hmm. what are they going to do?
0: They're going to pay more money. Mm. So, supply and demand. Yeah, supply and demand. So, if supply is low, demand is high, prices go up. Yep. But if there's too much supply and not enough demand, prices go down because we don't care for it. Yes. Hmm. Oh, business, man, business. Yep. <laughs> and the
1: now the tricky thing about inflation is. Inflation is an attempt to measure all the prices. Mm-hmm. So supply and demand, you could apply that to, um, you know, just a particular good, right? Okay. Let's say the, like, let's say every there's, let's say there's like a hundred different goods on our Island, but okay. only the price of fish went up for some reason. Let's mm. say people just start talking about fish. They talk about how much they love it and they just get excited about fish and they start buying more. Mm -hmm. Well, if you add up all the prices across the whole economy, it hasn't changed very much because Mm -hmm. only the fish changed. Mm -hmm. The thing about inflation Mm -hmm. is it's uh, it applies to everything. Mm -hmm. Right. When there's either too much money that will raise the price of everything, Mm -hmm. or if there's too few goods in general, Mm -hmm. that will raise the price of everything. But if the price of one or two things goes up or down, that has nothing to do with inflation or deflation.
0: That just has to do with just market culture psychology in that industry or sector. Yeah. Mm. So, and the reason why I I, there's so many thoughts that's going through my mind right now. So with inflation going up, and with the idea of everyone going to crypto or now leaving crypto based on last week's news <laughs> and with 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 just people just being freaked out and wanting to know where they can store them and do they store it in the mattress? Do they store it in the you know in a vault somewhere? Do they keep it in the bank? Do they keep it in ETFs or or index funds or whatnot? I I just recently came across a Warren Buffett uh short clip like it was like a 15 second clip or something Mm -hmm. and warren buffett explains his rationale for purchasing assets and this is something that i kind of have already agreed with way back when but i want to hear your thoughts on it and i don't mean to add the bias of already so I should probably should have told you what it was first uh, before adding my opinion on it. But he, he, here, here's the idea. And I'm going to paraphrase this heavily. And so I was watching this earlier this week. And Warren Buffett said, you know, you can put your money into gold. He doesn't like to put his money into gold because gold is, is, is just gold. I mean, he's, his reason is that, well, if I put it into gold, yeah, over time, it might have a storage of wealth and I might be able to sell it back and get the same purchasing power as I did back then. But why not purchase a, a, a pound of chocolate? Or why not purchase an acre of land? Or why not purchase a company that produces candy? If inflation's going to happen, it's going to hit everything. Like our example, it hits everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want a storage of wealth, might as well purchase into something that is a productive asset or a productive, or an asset that has a potential to be productive and purchase that rather than gold itself. And, I, and I'm just going to highlight gold because that's what the quote was comparing it to. So it wasn't comparing to any cryptocurrency, although there could be some arguments to be made for either direction. Mm-hmm. And so what are your thoughts? Because he's saying that whether inflation goes up or not, people are still going to pay for a pound of chocolate. People are still going to need food on a farmland. So if you have an acre of land and you're producing on that land, people are still going to buy it. So storage of wealth, is it's the same, whether you purchase it in an acre of land or in a bar of gold. But i much rather purchase it in the acre of land because I can get interest on it. That, that that was his quote so <laughs> what are your thoughts I, I thought it was a very interesting quote i haven't heard that in a long long time this was uh, one of the annual reports i think it was like a 2008 annual meeting uh that he set this in I, I don't recall the exact date of it but
1: yeah it seems warren buffett's strategy is pretty much always to own a business mm-hmm. you know um and it can um i mean it works Mm -hmm. um i would not say that you know owning gold is a terrible idea Mm -hmm. but i would say that uh owning businesses is pretty much always a good idea Mm -hmm. you know especially if you're doing uh putting in the homework putting Mm -hmm. in the time to get a business that works well now Inflation. The tricky part about that is, it raises the prices of the inputs to the business. Mm-hmm. You know, so businesses can suffer during times of inflation and during times of uh, economic downturns. Okay. Businesses tend to do better when inflation is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> now of course if you've done your homework and you've picked really solid businesses many of them will actually not do that bad during the inflation right Mm -hmm. and they'll uh they'll do better than the other companies which were not prepared for the inflation or did not have the right kind of business that would carry them through an inflationary time
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um now the logic of gold uh it makes a certain amount of sense, right? So let's say we're on our Island economy. Uh, everybody's using seashells for money, but someone discovers gold Mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, this is cool. And maybe they start making some jewelry out of it and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, trading pieces of gold, but there's only so much to go around. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we have our inflationary issues that we talked about, whether it was the lava or whether it was people discovering extra seashells, Mm -hmm. uh, that didn't infect the gold. Mm-hmm. So if I have some gold, um, you know, the price of that gold is going to be, uh, it's it. the price of that gold should go up mm-hmm. with inflation and it should preserve the purchasing power. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could use it as a type of money, maybe a type of backup money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a good idea. Now, for most people who are in investing, um, I would say probably the best way to go would be to take a portion of your uh, portfolio and put it in gold, but generally don't have like half or a hundred (laughs) percent in gold. I mean, if you really want to dig into that market, understand it. And if you really think that that's the way to go, that's one thing, but if you're just getting into investing and you're thinking about gold, you know, maybe look at like 5% of your portfolio or something, Mm -hmm. and that could benefit you through times of inflation. So for example, this year we've had a lot of inflation Mm -hmm. and, um, gold has done well. Gold Mm. has, uh, held its value better than cryptocurrencies. It's held its value better than most of the stocks. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad idea, and it's not a bad idea, you know, as a little backup, you know, as a little a failsafe or something for a rainy day, you know.
0: But it's just for me, and the reason why it's really hard for me to go into any precious metals is for me it it's it's very, and and this is my argument for even cryptocurrencies. It's a non productive asset, and so I'm not going to get an interest rate on my gold. Uh, if I purchase it now, 10 years time, whatever the buying power of my gold is currently that I purchase it for, it's going to be the same 10 years time. Versus if I purchase something with my money right now into a productive company, I could get an interest called dividend from the company or a growth rate from the company And it's not only multiplying my money, but it's also adding another 5% on top of the current buying power of my money. And if I sell it 10 years' time down the line, it might have the same purchasing power, assuming that it stays with the current trend. And all it is is every time it's increasing its revenues, paying me a dividend, right? Mm -hmm. And, And that's under that assumption. Now, granted, I do understand that stocks, they go up and down. Businesses go up and down depending on the seasons, right? If it's winter and it looks grim and, and bleak, you know, stocks might not be a good uh, time to, you know, withdraw your money, so to speak. Don't, like, don't sell, at least in my opinion, don't sell when winter is here, right? Uh, when summer's here and everything's super productive, that might be the better time to sell because you'll have a better chance of recuperating your purchasing power, Um but that, that's my opinion, and that's still my opinion uh, to this day uh, versus, you know, any precious metals or any cryptocurrency. And I don't know. I don't know if that's the right move. And and that's the whole fun of being an investor is that you're always stuck in the dark. It's frustrating at times, but, you know, if it if, it, if your theory works out and it, and it pays out, then that, that's the whole fun of the game, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but here, let, let's, let's go back to what we were talking about in the very, very beginning of this episode, or at least when I was introducing it, which is what are some rules that we can start identifying? Now, with with all the analogies that we talked about, we talked about inflation, we talked about currency, we talked about businesses, we talked about good debt versus bad debt. <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff today. It didn't even seem that much. But what are some ground rules that you see that w- we should really define for any type of investor, uh, whether they're a crypto investor, gold investor, silver investor, stock investor, ETF investor? What are some ground rules, Sean, uh, that, that you see? I, I have some. Uh, that that i think we i've been sharing along this whole podcast journey that you're with me for um but what are what are any ground rules that you would like to mention repeat or bring out as a new concept um let's see
1: i would think of things like understand what you're buying okay the time and the homework okay. to understand it um, okay
0: so homework will probably be the first rule of any investors is always do your homework. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now would you say that's a basic rule or is that more of an advanced rule? Like if we're trying to really simplify it for everyone, would that be more advanced or would that be a basic? What do you think?
1: I don't know. I, oh, if,
0: okay.
1: I mean, maybe you can think of something more basic, but I think that would be in the first five. Okay. Okay. Sure. So you homework. Know. Okay. Um, you know and and sort of the inverse of that which is don't just follow the crowd
0: yeah yeah um, that's be contrarian for the most part. yeah yeah yeah
1: if you um if you are really investing based on the way the winds are blowing and the way everyone is acting you need to really ask yourself do you actually have an edge do you actually if if i'm like running facebook Mm-hmm. you know and i can see what people are talking about before anyone else knows mm-hmm. then maybe i have an edge on these sort of just ideas that everyone gets worked up about but mm-hmm. a lot of people i think um just average people you know you go to work you
0: you hear you, about it from your coworkers yeah you hear about yeah, yeah. things
1: from your coworkers you see things on twitter or whatever and you say oh i have learned mm-hmm. the thing you know my coworker told me that it's all about uh you know it's all about celsius cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go do that Mm -hmm. because i now understand i'm ahead of the game you gotta understand you are not ahead of the game at that point Mm -hmm. right and you really need to understand when you're ahead of the game and when you're not Mm -hmm. and when you do homework what you will often find is you know you'll spend some time digging into some company Mm-hmm. and you've been reading about it for a few hours maybe maybe many hours mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you'll see some take some person says oh don't invest in that company for these reasons and you're like wait that person's wrong mm-hmm. because of this this and this mm-hmm. you know i did my homework and that person's just not getting it mm-hmm. that's when you've got an edge right and you have to you be can confident see... in
0: the homework that you, you're doing too right
1: Yeah, you need to do your homework well. You need to actually know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But then you'll find... You'll discover... You'll get to a point where you have an edge and it's not because you heard people talking about it. It's because you understand something that other people have not put in the time to understand. Mm. And that's when you have an idea for a good investment. Mm. Anyways, now how about you? Do you have ideas for the basics? Do you have something even more basic?
0: I would say... For me, the most basic thing, and this is what I generally share with a lot of of other people, is really write down, at least before you even start anything, write down your income, your assets, your liabilities, and your expenses. Those are probably the biggest four thing. And for those of you who don't know what they are, I'm going to briefly define this. And this was really well well written in uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I highly encourage reading it because this helped me understand accounting so much better. Uh, it, it's, it's, I'm befuddled by how well it helped me in, in reading a financial report. But everyone, and, and I would say this, everybody, whether you realize it or not, you are already in a business-like corporation, right? Because every time you are giving your resume out, you are essentially selling a product called you and with the services and accomplishments that you have done as your own individual entity, right? That's the whole point of a resume is to ch- share with other employers like, hey, this is what I've done, what I've accomplished. This is, if you're to hire me, this is what I can do. This is the product that I have. So hire me and I will do job for you, right? So, and so everyone already knows a little bit of business in general. If you're just aware of your own self, your own product, and you're selling your, your product, you know, your services to a company, that is economy 101. And so, on top of that, your income is essentially your revenue, your assets are essentially investments that you have made in either yourself or any other thing, and it's helping you produce more, right? Your liabilities are pretty much debt that you have to pay back, right? And your expenses is what you spend at the end of the month. So food, room, board, etc. And so being able to just define those and really have a good understanding on a personal sense, I think is a good starting point for anyone who wants to expand out into investments in general, because whenever I look at a stock report, and you know we've we've done several episodes now, where you're you're quizzing me, Sean, on annual reports, I'm looking at their revenue stream. I'm looking at their assets. How much assets they have. I'm looking at their debt to asset ratio, and I'm looking at their uh, expenses at the end of the month. And I'm looking overall, do they have extra cash in the bank, which is called cash flow or free cash flow right? So all of that it just builds on my own personal thing. and I think this is something that everyone can do before even starting to invest. And I think once everyone understands that in its base fundamental level, then we can extrapolate that understanding into into uh, the economy, into any business analysis that we want to do uh, and into you know being able to, really have a, a discussion on what we should do as a community as a, as a country on, on for the betterment of the economy I think well again correct me if I'm wrong but I think that's that's a good starting point yeah, No, it might be was, too complex that's... but <laughs> 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 I went through that really quickly I wish I did it but you know <laughs> that was the first thing that popped into my mind so I think that was good yeah okay so that I would say that will probably be one of the first rules is understand those first four terms. And then from there, your rule, which is do your homework, right? For any investments. Once you understand those four really strongly, that's when you can start beginning to do homework. You read a financial report. You're looking at the top line, which is the revenue of a company. And you're like, Hey, it's declining. Why are they losing money year after year? Are they spending too much? I mean, we all know a friend who spends a little too much at the end of the, at the end of the month, right? They have too much month at the end of the money kind of, kind of deal. And you can, you can relate that, right? Or if they're, they're increasing their revenue year after year, that means they're doing something productive and they're like, okay, well, if you're increasing your sales year after year, that means your income is going up. Now, are you a type of individual who is saving money or you're spending all of it plus more? And so you look at the bottom of the line, which is your cash flow. And you look at the cash flow. Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? What's it doing? And you can relate that to another friend that you had who is a good saver. Their income's increasing every year. And they are kind of like uh, they might be spending too much still, but their income is still increasing. So is that the type of person that you would keep lending money to? And it's just relating from your personal experience and extrapolating out. And is there a third rule? So homework, understand just basic accounting, like super simplified basic accounting. Is there another rule, Sean? Do, do, do you think that there should be another rule? Or are these the first two that we should be looking at? Um, just to understand the economy, understand business, or let's keep it simple understanding yourself and because everyone has a different circumstance right so what is a base rule those two i think are pretty good
1: i think those two are pretty good the next thing i think of is learn to manage risk and i think risk that management. would be okay. maybe less fundamental than the first two like i okay. think we're going in order you know okay i think first uh First, the things that you said Okay. and then do your homework and okay. then learn to manage risk as far as um, how much of your money do you invest in a certain thing and how do you, you know, to mm. break up your investments into pieces mm-hmm. and think of them in terms of the level of safety or the level of risk
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not volatility. <laughs> There's that's a <laughs> side thing, but finance people have used the word volatility and risk interchangeably, and they're not Mm -hmm. the same thing. Risk is, I'm talking about the English word risk, the word risk the way normal people use it. What are the risks of of
0: putting money into this thing? Sorry, academics out there. (laughs) We're we're not talking academic lingual. we're just talking, hey, regular people, lingual here. (laughs) Okay, so risk management, understand how much money you're willing to lose in an investment, okay? And I think that the next rule is probably a little bit more advanced, but it's something that I would say has been tremendously helpful, which is to invert, invert, invert. And the reason why I say invert, and I'm going to describe inversion really quickly, is I teach students in, in my science classes that whenever you come across a multiple choice answer or question, look at the answer and tell me what it cannot be, right? That's the easiest way to do process of elimination is just understand what the question is asking and then try to find a way to pretty much look at the answer and know that that's absolutely false. And I think that the idea of inversion, being able to use that process of elimination in answering harder homework questions, rule number two, uh, when you're doing research on anything bitcoin investments equities whatever when you're when you're taking that approach it makes things way easier to understand so for instance if you're looking at an energy company and you're asking yourself hey what makes an energy company profitable i would invert that question and be like what can i do to destroy an energy company and it's much easier to approach research that in that direction because now you know what to look out for That's a good that's a good idea. yeah it, it just makes it easier it, it, it's really hard to find the correct answer so look for the incorrect answer and then just use that as a check mark and be like, okay, is this company doing this incorrect answer? If it is, okay, this is a company that I don't want to look into anymore.
1: I think that's a good way to clarify thinking yeah
0: yeah it, it, it's a great way and I, I love using it uh, it's it's helped reduce a lot of my research time by quite a margin. so anyways, anything else? That, that's more of an advanced rule. So I would say that that's probably much later. Uh, but that's something to always keep in the back of the mind, especially when you begin to do homework on anything.
1: Um, yeah, no, I think that that pretty much covers. Okay.
0: That. So those four, I think those four is a good, good starting place for a lot of people. Now the idea of applying all those four, we might have to say for another episode. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is like the game of Go. You know, you learn the basic four rules, and now find uh, apply application, or find a person who's already succeeded and learn from them. Right? Yep. Yep. Anyways, that's it for today's episode, everyone. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, If you guys have any comments, questions or anything, please, please use the link down below uh, to email us or to leave a comment. And until next time, don't trade a dollar for a penny. All right. (laughs) Take care, everyone.